0: Utah becomes the first state to really look at how we should allow kids to access social media platforms and programs. And once again, there is a group of politicians that are going after the gays. This time it's anti-drag shows, which make no sense, on today's Citizen Stewart Show. Welcome to the Citizen Stewart Show, a podcast about education in America, where we dive deep into the top headlines and the stories that aren't being covered looking to shed some light on the dark forces affecting our schools and our democracy. I'm your host, Chris Citizen-Stewart. I'm also the CEO of Brightbeam, a nonprofit network of activists, fighting for educational opportunity and justice for every child. And with me is my co-host, Ravi Gupta, a former Obama staffer and a former superintendent of a network of charter schools in the South. Ravi, welcome. We're back again, man. How's it going?
1: I'm doing well, it's getting warm out here in New York. You and I are down to Atlanta to hang. I'm actually heading on a plane right after this, but I think you're heading there tomorrow.
0: No, no, I'm heading tonight. I'll see you there. And for the listeners, you know, Ravi Gupta and I are changing the world. So we are on tour right now, apparently. We're going to be in the same city at the same time. I'm excited. So I know we don't want this show to be about inside baseball. We want this show to be about education and what a good citizen can do to actually improve the life of children and improve the educational life of young people in the United States. That's more what this should be. But here is the inside baseball. There is a need for smarter, sharper, better thinking in the way that we do our work and we approach it. And it's not just better sharper thinking about schools, but it's also about advocacy and how we engage the public and whatever. So that is the inside baseball because we do have good people that are meeting on a fairly regular basis to think about how we get out of the rut that we are in when it comes to like education, everything. Everything's in a rut. Like your piece, you know, a couple weeks ago about how should we think about high school differently? Our pieces that we're always doing around, how should we just do school differently or learning differently? And what should be the parameters or whatnot? There are good people thinking about that. So you who are listening to this show, hopefully you get introduced to that over time, that there is some hope. We talk a lot about dark forces What isn't going well? But we should talk more about where the vision is. Where's the hope? Where's the inspiration? What's the next thing coming? What will kids be doing next year that they're not doing this year that'll be really great for them? I don't know how you feel about this. Do you feel like we're out of the pandemic slump? Do you feel like we're like regaining like some sunny optimism, some light at the end of the tunnel?
1: I think in a way, but I think the pandemic is going to shape the politics of schools over the next few years. I'm actually writing something about it right now that'll probably come out tomorrow before this episode even comes up about how the respective party messages on education are very much shaped by the pandemic, especially the Republican message, and so I think that's with us. That's going to be with us to stay, and I think that you know we're going to have to deal with that. But yeah, by and large, I think things are. Gen- I mean, New York, you have no evidence the pandemic exists here on the streets of New York anymore, and and by and large, you guys are back, right? We're as back as it ever is. And you know, I'm I'm speaking from our studio in Little Italy, where literally for for the past few years had been you know desolate especially at the heart of the pandemic. And now you walk down the street, you see tourists speaking tons of different languages, frequenting all the businesses here that really struggled. So it's really cool to see. And if you walk down a couple more blocks south, you're in Chinatown, which really, really struggled during the pandemic for a lot of reasons. And that's back to, but there are lingering effects. There are tons of businesses that closed for good. There's, you know, people trying to make up shortfalls for businesses that were closed for as long as they were. There are kids who are out of school who are now back in and who are learning to socialize and trying to catch up on their learning. I mean, obviously we can go on. So, you know, this is a defining moment, Chris, I think for, for all of us, especially our young people who, you know, had a very different existence than we did when we were going through school. It's it's crazy to think about.
0: Well, you know, as we roll into our first topic, I'll say this for your piece that you're writing tomorrow. Let me just make the request Uh-oh. that if you're going to talk about the party's platforms and perspectives or whatnot, Uh-oh. that you add more parties to the mix.
1: Well, I'm only going to be talking about the two on well, this the, one. The two? that Are there
0: really just two parties in the United States?
1: Well, you tell me, when was the last third party presidential winner? Oh, so you're only going for presidential winner parties. It's just not about, not about the presidential. presidential. Okay. All right. I'll be making a very particular argument about messaging. Yeah. If there were a third party that was viable, I would be all about that because they they tend to be better on education issues sometimes. But, all right. Let's get to our first story because there are some of those listeners out there that hate when you and I banter for too long. So I wouldn't want to go too far. <laughs> Tommy could always edit that down. <laughs> let's talk about this Utah social media law. I really yeah. like the governor of Utah. He's come on another podcast that I have before. Spencer Cox. He's a really nice guy. Really well-meaning guy. He's the guy who did the ad with his opponent, his Democratic opponent, where they basically were like complimenting each other and saying, let's have a civil race. Like they did an ad together. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. And he's
1: a good guy. He stood up in in the past for trans rights, even as a Republican governor of a fairly Mm -hmm. conservative Mm -hmm. state. So he's, Mm -hmm. he's a bit of a heterodox thinker, really good person. And he signed a pair of measures Thursday that require parental consent before kids can sign up for sites like TikTok and Instagram, the two bills. Also prohibit kids under 18 from using social media between the hours of 1030 and 630 a.m. If only we could apply that to you, Chris, I think we'd all be better (laughs) off. Uh, Require age verification for anyone who wants to use social media in the state and seek to prevent tech companies from luring kids to the apps using addictive features. This is pretty sweeping, Chris. What do you think about this? This is one of those things, you know, you always say, I wonder what you would think, like where you come down on this one. I think you're going to be against this, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm against it. Yeah, <laughs> It's such a TikTok. <laughs> how much CCP money do you get over at Education Post? Like China's Communist Party. A lot. Yeah. Like I'm totally
0: a Marxist. We get tons of Marxist money, like commie. No, none. And here's the thing, like, you know, it's it's weird to me how parties are shifting places right now because the nanification, the nanny state kind of pursuits of conservatives over the last couple of years is really interesting to me. Like this is a total nanny state thing. And, on, you know, out of one part of their mouth, they're like, you know, parents should be able to control what happens with their kids, what they see, what they blah, blah, blah. And in this case, there is an element of parental consent that they're calling for, but there really is kind of a state nanny type of thing happening. You can't use it between 1030 and 630 a.m. Like, you know, it says here two bills Cox signed into law prohibit kids under 18 from using social media between the hours of 10:30 p.m and 6 30 a.m they require age verification for anyone who wants to use social media in the state and seek to prevent tech companies from luring kids in uh, to their apps using addictive features i'm not against all of that but what i will say first of all there is a role like each of these platforms has a kid-ish type of room or version meaning like they could like there's a youtube for kids There's YouTube, regular YouTube, and there's YouTube Kids. And I get the ability to be able to just allow companies to develop their own kind of protocols for, you know, serving kids differently than they serve adults. There's also, there's a lot of wild stuff. I don't think people know this, for instance, about Twitter. I found this by accident on Twitter, but Twitter... Turns out it has a lot of porn on it.
1: (laughs) Is that right? You found it out by accident for listeners. I'm putting air quotes out here. Okay. Yeah. Somebody followed me.
0: Somebody followed me with a really weird avatar. Sure. And I clicked on their avatar. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. This is allowable on Twitter? It's a great
1: story. What's the real story, Chris? How'd you find it? (laughs)
0: Apparently, there are all these neighborhoods of Twitter that if you're, it's not your algorithm, you will never know about them.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what screwed me up, Chris, was when I had to watch Andrew Tate videos for this podcast has messed up my entire YouTube. You know, Lost Debate has absolutely <laughs> annihilated my algorithms across all platforms because of all the research that we do. And often I'm like going to these extreme right websites sometimes to do research for this show. And it just totally messes things up. I think YouTube's really confused about who I am. So I almost need multi. I should have created a different account for research is what I should have done.
0: Let me ask you about the parties things, because you're more dialed in, I think, to parties here. This is a Republican governor who's definitely more heterodox, but in a very Mormon state with kind of a religious background to a lot of their policies or whatnot. But I did not see all of the TikTok testimony, but it did feel like the parties were changing roles.
1: It's weird. There's fairly strong bipartisan consensus to ban TikTok. I think it's going to happen.
0: Really? Oh yeah, you think that's where the train is going for sure?
1: Well, nothing's ever for certain. But the easiest thing to do is track TikTok's competitors. So look at Meta stock over the past few weeks, for example. Why is it going up all of a sudden? You, you might want to mm-hmm. ask yourself that. But mm-hmm. but just my political sort of you know eye towards this kind of stuff is that there's very little downside for a lot of these politicians to back a TikTok ban because China is extremely unpopular in the United States. There's a sense. People could be wrong, but there's a sense that young people who, who largely use TikTok will just find another alternative. They won't punish politicians at the ballot box for this. And obviously, that's the untested proposition. There are certain, very, very few, but there are some politicians, especially on the left, Jamal Bowman and AOC, for example, who just came out this weekend against the TikTok ban. But they're few and far between. I think that this ban is going to happen. I think it's going to happen really fast unless China goes back. On what it said last week, when it said that it would not spin off TikTok to an American company, so I think like it's interesting. We had a big debate on this, a discussion on the Lost Debate Show last week about this, and I'm kind of warm to a TikTok ban just because TikTok itself has been so irresponsible and shady by the way it's handled its business in the United States. I can go through some of those items, but. I also think that if they're going to apply a standard to TikTok, they should apply it to other companies. And and as I discussed with Ricky on the show, there's a lot of, for instance, ties between Elon Musk and the Chinese government and Chinese state-owned banks because of the Tesla um, investment in China. And there's also Saudi and Qatari money in TikTok and in Twitter itself. So. If we're going to go after TikTok, we should probably start asking some questions about Elon Musk and Twitter as well, which people don't like when I say that, though, because a lot of the people who are pro-TikTok ban don't like to talk about Musk and his various entanglements.
0: Do you know how there was a study once that all internet debates get back to nineteen forty-five and to Hitler in some way, <laughs> shape, or form? Like all all roads lead back to Hitler.
1: Okay, where are we going? What's the Hitler connection here? Well, there's not a Hitler connection,
0: but I'm only saying that to say, like, you know, with Chris Stewart, all things go back to racism. <laughs> so here's how this goes back to racism. There's nothing you can say about TikTok that would support banning TikTok that can't be applied to American companies or others. The level of foreign influence through Facebook was actually like the OG of the type of concerns that are driving the TikTok ban, right? That a foreign country could have undue influence on our elections, our public sentiment. You can't beat us with bombs. So one of the best ways that you can attack us now with all of the innovations in the world is to weaponize our morons, get people dancing, singing, talking about dumb stuff, dividing up, whatever, because that way you can erode us from the inside. You don't don't have to like take us over militarily. You can just... Weaponize the level of disinformation in our country that changes elections. It changes what we care about. You and I have talked about this previously in TikTok, you know, in TikTok land in China, they do have restrictions on what Chinese students can actually use TikTok for. And it's because they want a smart country. But
1: so wait, shouldn't that mean you support the, the Utah law, though, then, if if you think that makes them smart?
0: I'm always saying this, that if that's the justification, there's no way that you can apply that to the OG of disinformation, which is Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like the OG of data gathering, data harvesting, data
1: selling to foreign countries and entities. But Utah does, though. That's the distinction between the Utah law and what's happening in Congress is the Utah law has to do with all social media between the hours of 1030 and 630 a.m., Sounds like you're kind of warm to that, though, if you're saying, hey, China is smart by the way they restrict access to some of these tools.
0: I'm not even warm. I'm hot on the idea that these companies can be weaponized to change public opinion in ways that ruins the country. I am cold on the idea that the way to address that problem is to have bands of children being able to access them between 1030 p.m. and 630 a.m., the remedy is different than the problem like the problem of massive harvesting of our information and our data and selling it on the open market to whoever will buy it and allowing foreign countries to use it against us to weaponize it and destroy our democracy is a totally different problem than having kids being able to access porn
1: yeah well i'll plant my flag on this which is i'm a federalist I'm increasingly a federalist and what the hell i would like to see what happens because of this law like i actually think like it'll be interesting to see what the data says about you know, teen mental health, what kids are doing with this time, whether they're able to circumvent the bans, et cetera, it'd be really fascinating. So I'm for it. I'm probably for it period, but I'm definitely for it because of the information it'll give us to make better decisions around the country. Now you said, you know, whatever TikTok does, essentially all these other companies do. And in a way I'm very sympathetic to that argument. There are some contours to this though that are specific to TikTok. For example, all Chinese internet companies are compelled by the country's national intelligence law to turn over any and all data the government demands and it's not limited by China's borders. It's not subject to warrants or courts as is in the case of U.S. and I know we have all sorts of problems with the Pfizer warrants and everything here but there's not even an attempt to have a process like that here. ByteDance employees have admitted to being told to highlight pro-China messages in TikTok's English language news app At one point TikTok's moderators were instructed to ban videos that reference the Tiananmen Square massacre, the Tibetan independence or topics China's government does not want us to discuss and a study also found that TikTok's algorithm steers users towards Kremlin disinformation regarding the Ukraine war. So that's bad. And then on the flip side, you've got the fact that China bans a ton of American companies, internet companies from operating in their borders. So there's definitely a reciprocity element here, too. You know, when you start to look at that, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm warming to the TikTok ban when I hear stuff like that.
0: Yeah, well, let me throw two wrenches in that. The first wrench I'll throw, there's nothing you just said that's not actually the exact same case in the United States. We always hide behind the veil of what the the letter of the law says in the United States. We don't hide behind what happens actually in, in practice. So there are a lot of conservatives who might be for this, for instance. But when on the flip side, out of the other side of their mouth, they're talking about how Twitter worked with the federal government to suppress videos and suppress COVID information and suppress people who are dissenting against the government and whatever. So they believe that on one hand, they believe that the same thing could happen with Twitter in the United States, but it's against them.
1: Yeah, but in their defense, they're, they don't want that in their in their defense. Like, so if you talk to like a Ricky... You know, she and I debated this. We debated this a few times, you know, including the Julian Assange stuff and all that. I tend to be pro-U.S. government law enforcement, even though I think what Twitter did on some of those elements, especially the Wuhan theory and the Hunter Biden laptop and things like that were, or at least Hunter Biden laptop. I forget what they did on on Wuhan, but that was bad. And I think that that was overstepping. Now, I tend to be on the side of U.S. law enforcement having pretty expansive powers Um, which puts me in a weird political place. But that's the U.S. government. I like my government. I don't don't think that equating our government is the same as equating Chinese government. I think they're very different. You know, we have elections in this country. Yeah, we also
0: assassinate democratically elected leaders of other countries.
1: In the 80s. When
0: was the last time we did that? To your knowledge, in the 80s. And in the 80s, people would have said, well, in the 60s. And in the 60s, they would have said, well, in the 40s, of course, you're going to say in the 80s because that's the that's what you know about now. So yeah, but at so- a
1: certain point, they're wrong. You can go through this history, but like, not that this is meant to be a, a geopolitical argument. So you're saying basically us and China, there's not much of a difference. Part of what I'm saying is you have one that's a dictatorship, authoritarian dictatorship, that is a hostile foreign power, and you have one that's our democratically elected government. And so when you say law enforcement in the U.S., is somehow you know collecting data yada 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 it sounds like you're saying basically it's the same as the chinese government doing
0: no i think that's a bridge too far to say that they're the same because i mean russia and china are different right like iran and russia are china of course they're all different and they all they all do things that are meant to keep power whatever i'm saying about this thing specifically i'm more in the libertarian position of if Twitter, as a private company, decides to moderate however they want to moderate or whatnot, and you don't like it, move to a different platform, but don't pass laws to make them do what you think they should do. You can cry all night long about the fact that you think they suppressed Hunter Biden's story or whatever or whatnot, but they're a private entity. I don't see people like saying Fox News suppressed all the good information about the Democrats, right? And that is the most watched news channel on planet Earth. That is the biggest media platform that there is on planet Earth and I don't hear any of the people that are complaining about social media companies and techs. These are just people that want to pass laws because they don't like the outcome of the way things are shifting. TikTok is a very young demographic. TikTok is the Gen Z demographic. They have been having way too much success organizing on TikTok against corporations, elites, and democratic powers. And that to me is probably the reason. There's a lot of anti- Gen Z fever on what kids can learn, where they should learn it from. Let's prevent them from becoming woke. Let's stop their protesting. Let's stop all of that stuff. That is the thing that I think is driving all this.
1: So let me ask you a question then. Do you think if, for instance, the Russian government or the Chinese government bought up Con Edison or the power grid, would you be okay with that? You know, where they had exclusive, let's say they had exclusive control over, certain critical infrastructure in the United States, you know, hostile foreign power. You'd be okay with that? They do. You have to be okay
0: with it. They do right now. They're buying up electric grids in Texas. They're buying up farmland. There, America's an open market. we're selling we're selling ourselves to the whole world right now. So
1: part of what I'm saying is I'm not okay with that, right? So whether it's happening now or not, they certainly don't own Conatuus in my power plants here. Now, if they did, I would be very concerned about that. Well, you should
0: be concerned. it's happening. It's happening. And
1: there's a committee on foreign investment that looks at these things, right? So when the Committee on foreign investment went to China, Russia, Hostile foreign countries invest in the United States. They review the security concerns of that, which is part of what's going on with TikTok here. Now and I think that's appropriate because I think that TikTok is like not the same as Fox. Fox News is an opinion publication. So they're they're different to me than No, no, no. Wait, wait let's back up. Let's back up. Because
0: this is important. This is important. Let's just stop here for a second. It is important on what you define TikTok as being. So I'm trying to be just clear on understanding. Are you putting them In the category of a utility or a media platform
1: they're neither because we use these antiquated terms right so we're like and this is part of what the telecommunications law says and why everybody's so confused on capitol hill is they're saying are they a utility or are they a publication they're neither Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so they're a new thing that didn't exist before you know it's the equivalent of like if the printing press were a network right so you know, not, not each individual publication, but the presses themselves. So maybe the factory that creates the printing presses or whatever. But it's obviously different. That's not even a good analogy. So to me, it's a whole different thing that requires its own set of rules. But my, my point being, it's a critical piece of infrastructure for how we communicate. And I don't want a hostile foreign power owning that, especially given how many young people are in this country, especially given its history you know, that I just outlined of rather nefarious behavior.
0: Now I know for sure I disagree with it. Here's the bottom line for me. Radio, television, the internet, and now social media. These are media products. They're media platforms, and they are privately owned for many different purposes. I use a Samsung phone and an Apple phone. I'm not prepared to say that Samsung should be attacked as a company because they're owned by an Asian country that I don't like or whatnot. I'm using their phone as my platform. It's a private company. I have a choice whether I do a Samsung phone or an Oppo phone or a Google phone or whatever. I have a choice.
1: Yeah, but Samsung is owned by a South Korean. That's our ally. You know, that's different. It's not really different in that it is a
0: foreign country that, you know, may or may not fall out of favor. But I'm still just using the phone as a choice, like as a device. Listen... Critical infrastructure, I can't get away from using the power grid or trash and city services and police. Those things to me are critical infrastructure. That's not a media product. There is no way that I can agree with you that Fox News is somehow some less problematic thing. It is the most watched disinformation, democracy-stealing and killing platform that there is.
1: But it's protected by the First Amendment, you know what I'm saying? And by the way, RT is also protected under the Berman amendments in the United States. There's a series of laws passed in the 80s to basically say even foreign publications can operate in the United States. We already even say that. Now, I treat TikTok as a platform very differently. You know, because as, as much as a publication has whatever powers they can have, the scope and scale of what TikTok is doing and how hard it is to figure out, like, whether they can put their thumbs on the scales of our youth, to me, is very scary. I deleted it myself. Like, I'm not a big delete the thing, but like after reading about all this stuff, I'm like, I just don't want them in my phone. You know, I just don't trust them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of Americans, me included, because I do, I'm on TikTok, I find it more informative for my purposes than the other platforms. Actually now, and I get to see like what the algorithm does for you and doesn't do for you. And it's about the same as Twitter and others, depending on what you want to consume It's just younger, faster, smarter, wiser, and probably more effective in a lot of ways. And if you like that, then it'll be your platform. And if you don't like it, you'll want to ban it. If I don't like what Fox News has to say, I'll want to ban it. If I don't like what CNN has to say, I will want to ban it. If I don't like what people are doing with Facebook, I will want to ban it. I think that kind of starts getting me clearer to what my point is. We're just outlawing and banning things all over the place because we don't like what is being said on them. That to me is my bottom line here. I don't think it really is to protect us from anything because we're leaving the doors wide open on so many security violations and so many security problems. And we're being very selective about the ones that we choose, where we want to go after them with the heavy hand of government and the heavy hand of lawmaking.
1: Well, speaking of banning things we don't like, my old state of Tennessee uh, became the first state to explicitly ban drag shows in public spaces. This is Governor Bill Lee, who we've talked about before. And there are other states following uh, this, it seems, where they've introduced legislation Arizona, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and others. And, you know, Tennessee's bill it prohibits, quote, adult cabaret performances in public spaces where minors could watch. Chris, this feels like viewpoint discrimination. <laughs> it feels like it, you think? <laughs> Look, I, we're not going to see eye to eye on TikTok. I think we're probably going to see eye on this one. I think that that is perfect way of
0: saying, I ban what I don't like, and I keep what I do like. And that's, that's where America is right now. I don't like something, let's ban it. And that's what this is at the top. The Status of Drag Shows from a Time Magazine article that was on March 15th. Drag shows have become the largest target of conservative criticism as a slew of other anti-drag bills have been introduced in at least 14 states, including Arizona, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and others. Language across the numerous bills is similar to that of Tennessee, which prohibits adult cabaret performances in public places where minors could watch. And for those of you who think that this is just about protecting kids in K-12, this is reaching higher ed. So there's a a recent case uh, where a president at West Texas A&M decided to just cancel a drag show and openly basically just said he knew that he was abridging people's First Amendment right. But his personal feeling was that these type of shows are not appropriate, period. He is now under a threat of a 45-page federal lawsuit challenging his right and his ability to be able to do that. But this is where we are in America right now. We are in America where there are so many important priorities for fixing our economy, for making sure that we are going to be prosperous into the future and competitive on a world stage. And we are passing anti-drag bills because we have a handful of theocrats who are working with dark money and dark money foundations to create kind of like some sort of theology in public life around what groups should be considered in groups and what groups should be considered out groups. And of course, the LGBT community is an eternal outgroup for many people in the United States. It's the, it's the easiest one to create a bigot bureaucracy around. Because a lot of people are going to ask questions like, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you've been to a drag show, but a lot of people are going to ask questions around like, well, why should drag shows be where kids are? You know, what's the big thing? Here's, here's one test I will say to you. The argument is that drag shows are inherently sexual and sexualized and sexualizing. And one way that I get around part of that claim is basically to say, RuPaul's Drag Race on TV is a mainstream primetime television show that is completely a drag show, 100%. And if you're telling me that drag equates to pornography, you're telling me then that the RuPaul show is legal pornography on straight up regular mainstream TV, which is an absurd claim.
1: Well, I also think there's there's a nefarious part of this, especially, which is public Places where minors could watch, which is purposely vague. And what that does is it says, hey, things that have been a mainstay of the LGBTQ community, like pride parades, et cetera, that have elements of drag involved in them, which take place on city streets and in parks, are no longer going to be safe. They're no longer going to be legal. Now, most people I know, including a lot of people on the right, think this is absurd. You know, and I think like to me, this is a there's been a lot of oversteps in laws written this way. Like when we talk about some of the Florida bills were written purposely vague to have a chilling effect. This one, I think, is among the least popular. There was like a really big protest in Tennessee this weekend. I think it was at LP Field. I don't know what they call it anymore, but the Titan Stadium, it was huge. I mean, they basically packed out the whole Titan Stadium. And my sense is, I think it's gonna take a little while longer before it officially takes root here. So they did like a huge drag show at the at LP Field. And that's obviously not necessarily a public space, But I think that as soon as this thing becomes legal, you're going to start to see people openly defying this law and challenging Tennessee to enforce their law, which will be really interesting. Just knowing how Nashville is a place with a very strong history, um, LGBTQ activism. And, you know, uh, Mayor Megan Barry famously married same-sex couples when she was mayor not too long ago. And it's a city that's very hospitable to that community and has long had a tradition, even when the laws weren't great, of being welcoming to LGBTQ people who had to fight really hard for that recognition and that acceptance. And it hasn't been easy. It's part of the DNA of that city. It's going to be really, really hard for Billy to dig in and defend this law over time as it takes effect. So my sense is either he's going to have to ignore the law, or he's going to be dragged into, you know, no pun intended, a <laughs> fight to defend what I think will be some really gnarly enforcement efforts on the streets of Nashville and others. Like I don't want to just make it about Nashville, but that's just the city I know best in Tennessee. Like this is not this is going to be really ugly if he tries to enforce it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're living in an era right now where. Women's reproductive rights are overturning in ways that we would have always thought there were going to be riots in the streets if it happened. Education censorship laws are being passed at the state level in a way that we would have thought 10 years ago there would have been riots in the streets if it happened. We are like the frog in the pot slowly boiling drag shows, you know, uh, anti-gay things, anti-black things, outlawing entire thought systems. It's shameful to talk to the public as if those are separate issues separate things and not part of a coordinated effort to move America to a place where we have less freedom and we have less rights. And the really kind of weird part about it to me is to watch freedom lovers, my fellow libertarians, if you're listening to this, watch you go so limp in the face of like the boiling frog, like... Our, our liberties are being you know I don't have to be a drag show performer to know that this is an infringement on something that will come back and bite me at some point right like when you allow people to start creating groups of people that they think should not have all the rights of an American citizen and be able to have their pursuit of happiness you start on that slippery slope that will come back to haunt you
1: well I do want to say this I don't want to paint with a totally broad brush here because fire sued which university was it Texas A&M over blocking the student drag show so there are liberties libertarians out there, more right-leaning people who are on our side on this one. And so I don't want to alienate them by putting them in that bucket because they, there are some folks out there. No,
0: I'll put them in that bucket. I'm a long-term libertarian. This is my people. I will put them on the hot seat. Yes, fire is suing on the one case with the Texans AM, and m and they are also completely asleep at the wheel at many of the other kind of conservative overreaches. There is a portion of our libertarian community that is light. And they're not actually 100% hating some of the authoritarian laws that are changing in places like Florida, Oklahoma, Texas, and others.
1: I just don't want to paint with a broad brush and say – because like if I'm a libertarian or right-leaning person, which there are those types of people who listen to this show and and I think will agree with us on certain things, I don't think they would appreciate us just saying blanketly that libertarians or right-wingers are for this kind of stuff. But
0: anyways, I'll say this. It shouldn't just be libertarians. That's just me selfishly talking about myself. I think we all as Americans on the left, the right, and the middle should care when any group gets scapegoated into a place where it becomes justifiable to take their rights from them. Like if we believe in the constitution and we believe in the pursuit of happiness, a man should be able to wear a dress if he wants to. It's just bottom line. I don't care. Wear a dress. You like a dress? Wear a dress. I mean, the last time, our last show, you were wearing overalls which I thought was really offensive <laughs> to wear overalls on my
1: show. <laughs> I'm going to ignore that, Dick. Governor Bill Lee himself, uh, there was a photo circulating when he was younger in drag, which of course, of course he was. So, but, but he, you know, would, there's some explanation as to why that was okay. But somehow this, the lack of any sense of coherence and consistency is maddening. But I do think this is overreach. I think there are other laws that they've passed that are harder to parse, especially as you look at polling and things like that when it comes to the political power of some of these things. I don't think this one is going to be popular, and I do think it's going to backfire. I think either, he's, like once again, I think either he's going to have to ignore it or he's going to have to do some really unpopular things to enforce it that will make a lot of Tennesseans question what his priorities are. And so i will be interested to see how this goes. I also think this is going to like face legal scrutiny and probably won't hold up in court it does
0: feel like a first amendment violation what i want uh, as somebody who cares about young people and education what i want is for sure to make sure that every kid in america knows that they are safe in their learning place they could be who they are they can come as they are and right now i don't think that's the case i do think that young people are getting a lot of messages in the world about whether or not they exist or whether or not they should be there. And I think what we all should want is an America that has such great systems for handling our pluralism. We are always going to have Muslims. We're always going to have gay kids. We're always going to have straight white males. We're always going to have all kinds of people. That's what America is. That's the country. That is what we have. Are we going to be able to innovate our systems in ways where we become experts at mediating difference. Like the, the idea that you should just be able to wear your overalls, Ravi.
1: By the way, listeners, Chris just- has a <laughs> sideways hat. He's wearing it in a way that I used to wear when I was 16 years old, when I had a yellow Lakers <laughs> shack jersey on with my fake silver chain. So let's not throw stones in our glass house,
0: Chris. You you had a fake silver chain? Of course.
1: Shout out to Chinatown. You know, (laughs) Canal Street, every time I walk past Canal Street, Canal Street of today is not what it used to be. It used to be like an open air bazaar where you could buy all sorts of stuff. And, you know, every kid got tricked into buying the fake silver chain at a certain point. And then you go through a progression where you buy the fake silver chain, you learn to tell fake from real, and then you start buying the fake silver chains and selling them to your friends at school As real, that's Staten Island.
0: That's so terrible. That sounds just like you. But I want America to be a place where you could wear your fake silver chain and be okay.
1: I'll pick you up one for Atlanta, fifty bucks, special deal for you. We haven't
0: covered it much on this show, but I do think that we should start talking more, less about these type of issues and more about how our young people experiencing the world. We're missing things like we talked about TikTok today. We talked about social media. We talked about drag shows, and behind all of those are laws where people are saying we need to protect children. That's why we have to pass an anti-drag law. That's why you have to ban TikTok or whatever. Well, if that really is the justification, then we need some deep questions asked about what is the state of young people in the United States? What's the state of their mental health and their growth and their development? And why are we just focusing on this handful of really weird politically chosen issues When we can, if it's about protecting children, there's so many places we could go in policy. And we should go to all of them right now. Have a much bigger, broader discussion. I want a leader to stand up and say that. I want one of your guys that you support, you know, because, you know, you get people elected and stuff to things. Like You have this track record of getting people elected to things. Whenever
1: you're ready to run again, we'll do it. No, you have to run.
0: I actually ran and won something and was elected by 42,000 people, which is more than my state reps get. I need you to run for something now, but I need you to be a fresh voice, a fresh perspective that says, guys, we're fiddling around the edges. Here's the big ideas. Yep. If it's about kids, let's have some big ideas about kids.
1: You think I should wear my overalls on the uh, on the campaign trail to appeal to the young people? Like, hey there, young people. Listen, if you
0: campaign, I mean, you're a good looking dude. You're smart. You're Ivy. You're good looking. If you wore overalls and ran in the South, I mean, you're buff, shredded. You would kill the game. Oh,
1: stop. Go on. Stop. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Enough, enough is enough. Thank you for all that, Chris. Always a blessing to talk to you. Love our debates. And look, everybody out there listening, send in voicemails.
0: So if you want to send us a message about the show, you can send us a voicemail at 321-213-9171. If you would prefer to send us an email, you can send that to Show at lostdebate.com. That's what it is. To send us an email, we will read your emails and listen to your voicemails. We appreciate any of the feedback that you can give us on the shows. Also, if you want to support the show, please share it with friends. Leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you listen to our podcast. That'd be very helpful to us. And we appreciate you, as always, for being a good listener of the Citizen Stewart Show. And we will catch you on the next one next week. Thank you so much.